0: Yo, this is George Dr. Funkenstein-Clinton, and you're listening to WMNF Tampa. They do the dog, y'all. Here comes the sun. Doo-doo-doo. Here
1: comes the sun. And I say it's all right.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5 where every Monday at 11 we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Hello, Kenny. Hello. And uh, Annie, we have a very good show today about water irrigation and conservation but first, did you do anything exciting this past well, week? Well,
3: I went to Kitty Walsh and Lena's um, shindig that they had. It was the uh, fifth uh, annual garden conference. And it was fantastic. It was. Uh, I went, actually, Friday to meet and greet. And then on Saturday, they had, it was five hours. I, I couldn't take the whole five hours. I went a little late and left a little early. But I learned a lot and saw a lot of people I hadn't seen in a long time. So that was nice. John was there, too. John Butts, our originator of the show. Wonderful. I missed him, though. So.
2: Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Last, he's involved. Uh, yes. Last week... The Manatee County master Gardeners visited my I know nursery. that's
3: exciting
2: to have that at your
3: house. Yes. yeah. And so what happened?
2: We gave them a little, little two-hour tour. They saw lots of plants, and then in the one acre landscape, um, they were joking about bringing uh, pruners and stuff. but oh my God I said, oh they please were so wrong. you can just rip this off. you can you know <laughs> take a cutting or whatever. Oh. And my miracle fruit tree. Yeah. Has literally 50 fruits on it.
3: Oh, fantastic. We
2: didn't have any lemons or anything, but you know.
3: Oh, but you, they tasted them? Yeah. You know the miracle fruit? Oh yeah. yeah. It's very exciting when you have a lemon and you well, chew that and then you taste it. Exactly. Like it has sugar on it. I mean, the first time that ever happened, you're like, what just <laughs> happened here? I use stevia, which is what the miracle fruit is, uh, to sweeten my coffee actually. I like the liquid stevia. Mm -hmm. Although I hear monk better for your blood sugar. So I don't know. I'm gonna try that Mm -hmm.
2: too. Yeah. So that's cool. So they had fun and you had fun. Yes. And then, you know, I run my little nursery. I'm home a lot by myself. Yes. And when I'm planting and tending to the plants, I listen to audio books. And the newest book that I'm listening to is called Who Ate the First Oyster? (laughs) by Cody Cassidy. And it's about who painted the first masterpiece, who wore the first pants, who rode the first horse. But the chapter that I just finished, this uh, was published two years ago and I'm listening it um, through the public library. Oh, nice. Yeah, they have so much to offer, not just go get I know, I was thinking that. We should be promoting them. Yeah. Or or if you're not using that service, you should be. So the chapter I just read was like, who was like the first farmer? Mm -hmm. And do you know why, like the real, well, according to this author, do you know the reason why we changed from hunter and gatherers to farmers? Well, the animals are harder to kill, probably. Well, crops related.
3: Um well, I Do, really don't know i'm just gonna let that go.
2: okay. The reason why is so they could grow wheat to make alcohol
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny because to when me. you
2: when oh you harvested the wheat yeah they if just you to if you had the drunk. seeds and they went a little. <laughs> Bad. If they fermented, they said they could ferment within like 24 hours, you know, in their pockets, and then they're chewing on it, and then they get like a little buzz. Oh,
3: my gosh. That's so funny. So they wanted the buzz. Yeah,
2: and then when they're traveling, some of the seeds fall out, and then eventually they're like, oh, we're going to start growing them in tighter units and yes, crops can, in rows and rows. Yeah, then.
3: I get more of a buzz. That's so funny. Uh, I was When you said whoever ate the first oyster, did, have you ever eaten an oyster? I know you're mm, a vegetarian. Definitely not. Okay, so <laughs> the first time I ever ate an oyster, I uh, had to drink a little beer first before I could. <laughs> oh my God. And I had to put it on a cracker with the sauce and I had to, you know, do the whole thing and my throat just closed mm. up. But I love raw oysters now and I just Drink them right straight out of the shell with no (laughs) sauce. Uh, I just love them. Actually, but I can imagine the first oyster. Oh, my God. It's I so haven't, I'm
2: assuming that's going to be the last chapter, but <laughs> I'm enjoying the book.
3: Yeah, it sounds interesting.
2: So, in addition, you know, we're talking about farming and mm-hmm. what does farmers need? They need water.
3: Yes, they do.
2: So, today we are talking with Jackie Libowitz, the Water Resources Program Assistant at UF IFAS Extension Sarasota County on Water Conservation and irrigation. So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet.
3: Okie dokie. So uh, Jackie uh, graduated from New College of Florida in 2019 with an environmental studies degree in I'm interested because I understand this was a, a later choice in things. Uh, so I'm interested in finding out about that. Since graduating, she has worked on promoting water conservation through education, outreach, and program development. She firmly believes that clean water should be accessible to everyone, and that the key to preserving our future supplies rests on or in our hands. And I agree a thousand percent. Thank you so much for being on the program, Jackie. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Thank you for having me on. You're excited welcome. to talk water today. <laughs>
3: yes, it's uh, very important. Very important. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, um, why did you choose to get into this particular field?
4: Right, so um, you kind of alluded to it in my introduction. So I actually Uh uh, went to school uh, at New College of Florida down in Sarasota um, to pursue biology and that quickly turned to environmental studies. Um, And I really, really got passionate about environmental education. And of course that encompasses a number of things and topics. Um, But as soon as I graduated, I stumbled into this really unique opportunity to work on this program called the Healthy Pond Certification Program. So I kind of got to explore that interest and put that together. And then I've been with um, Extension ever since.
3: Oh, okay. So a Healthy Pond Certification process. That sounds interesting. Yes, yes. So it went from ponds to water in general. Yeah. I like that idea that you're testing different waters too, right? Mm
4: Yeah. Yeah. So um, my work was more so um, talking to different experts in the field and kind of compiling their knowledge and information into this little course that we offered to pond professionals. That way they could learn about how to make sure ponds are healthy, you know, what even is a healthy pond because everyone's got their own definition. And um, from there, I was offered a program assistant position shortly after, and I've been having a ball learning all about why water is so important, um, how we can conserve it, and, of course, um, just all the ways that it's, it's connected in our day-to-day life.
3: Yeah, because it covers over 71% of our Earth. So that's, sure, that's. a lot of water on our planet. And um, so it seems like we'd have plenty to drink. <clears throat> Excuse me. But how much fresh water do we have available to use as a potable water?
4: Yeah, so even though water is um, over 70% of our earth, a lot of that water is salt water. So only a very small percentage of that water is usable as drinking or potable water. So um, just to put it in perspective, if you put the entirety of the earth's water into a one gallon jug, you'd have just about one tablespoon of fresh water available to use oh, as drinking water. that's such a surprise. Yes.
3: No wonder it's a struggle for so many places. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that no, that more than 90% of Floridians uh, rely on our groundwater uh, for a, uh, some portion of their water. So
4: do we have enough water here to meet the needs of uh, our Floridians? That's a very good question. So, yes, about 30% of our potable water supply is going to be coming from that groundwater.
1: I want to address something new since you've been gone, which is our talkback feature that's here on the right. It says error
2: two, talkback, error three, and if you're in the other studio, it would say. Hello. All right. So what happened was the other uh, studio took over, but we're back. All right, Jackie, can you hear us? What's up? Jackie, are you there? We took it? Why? All right. So, Jackie, will be coming back shortly. But first, uh, Annie, I wanted to tell you, I was thinking about this uh, last night, that I learned... Have you heard of the rhyme, the poem, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink?
3: I have, but I don't know why I've heard that.
2: <laughs> well, it's a classic poem from Samuel uh, Coleridge and... I learned this in maybe like third grade or fourth grade. And I, the word now is called echo or eco anxiety. I was so nervous that we would run out of water in like third grade or fourth really? grade. Oh, wow. I, um, I don't know, is that age appropriate? <laughs> well,
3: I've actually, I, I'm sure it isn't, but you know, I've heard that a lot of children worry about a lot of things nowadays that they shouldn't have to worry about. I mean, you know water, if the planet's going to be healthy, you know, guns in the schools, I mean, all kinds of things that that children should not have to be concerned with, you yeah, know, it's like they should just be learning, 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 playing, 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 playing and enjoying.
2: Mm -hmm. So that line is from a poem, and then uh, Samuel Coleridge, he was a speaker, he was a sailor on a ship, and then he was looking around all the salt water and noticed that, you know, we can't drink any of this salt water.
3: Yeah, they go crazy.
2: But then when I learned it in third or fourth grade, it was more like, you know, there's a lot of polluted water. So I learned that in third or fourth grade. Then we fast forward to my master's degree when I'm like 34 years old, and the one of the professors who was a guest on our show, Dr. T.H. Uh, Colhane, he said that we actually never really have to worry about running out of water in that there's so many different systems where we can like desalinate it. Uh,
3: oh, okay. It, it's, that makes sense It's, it's going to
2: be expensive and time consuming and but energy. But as we
3: progress, I mean, that's going to be the way that's going to have to happen. Uh, so, you know, we... It has to go that way for us to be able to manage. I think we're gonna see if Jackie is on again. Jackie, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, something (laughs) happened in a studio situation. So we have multiple studios and 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 there's some work going on. So, you know, we got the brunt of that. So, but glad you're back. Um, Glad to be back. So Um, we were talking about, do we have enough water to meet the needs of Jackie,
2: did you ever hear of that poem that I just recited?
4: ごめん um, or water, I'm not water. Sure I was on to hear the poem. Uh, I had to rejoin I, the Zoom yeah, real quick. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. More I only busy. gave you, I only gave you one line, but it's water, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink. Oh,
4: the classic. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yep. Yep.
3: yes. So we were talking about uh, the desalinization is how that's going to happen. But we, when we were interrupted, uh, we were talking about do we have enough water to meet the needs of everybody in Florida in our uh, in our systems? And you said thirty uh, percent from the groundwater and then we got cut off.
4: Okay, yeah. So I'll go ahead and just start over there. Um, So yeah, about 30% of our potable water supply is coming from groundwater that's underneath our feet in those underground aquifer systems, which Mm -hmm. you may or may not be familiar with. And while we have enough water for now, it's really important to think about the future when it comes to our water supply. So according to the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, we have about 1,000 people moving to the state each day, um, which isn't that surprising. I'm sure you, you know, quite a few people who have uh, just right moved to the state. Um, I actually just moved myself, and uh, I've been running into a lot of people who are um, new to the neighborhood. Um, just from completely different states all across uh, the United States. But anyways, we have about a thousand people moving to the state each day. And so with this increase in population, we're projected to use about 7.4 billion gallons of water per day by 2040. That's the current projection. And across Florida, we can meet a lot of that demand. But even when we crunch all those numbers, we're still falling short at about 372 million gallons per day, again, by 2040. So that's coming up and we need to do what we can to preserve our freshwater supply today so that we can have enough for future generations. And that's not just to get what we need, but so that we can live comfortably without having to make big sacrifices to our current quality of life. Mm
3: Like different countries, they're
2: just cutting or, the butter off. Well, I was even thinking about California.
3: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, people used to use the hose <laughs> to clean their sidewalks with instead of a broom, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, and, yes. And uh, <laughs> they don't do that in California anymore. But that's what they used to use, mm-hmm. for
2: mm-hmm. sure. I interviewed uh, the comedian Margaret Cho yeah. a couple of, maybe a month ago. She's and hilarious. And she was saying that when she has an outdoor tub. hmm she, so so do I, bathtub. So she takes the, she takes the mm-hmm. bathtub. She doesn't put any, like, bat- she only uses, like, natural soaps. Yeah. And then she can only use that water for, like, her herbs and her vegetables. Like, she can't use extra water for she the... She
3: uses her own gray water. Yeah,
2: for the landscaping. Yeah, and then, that's um, good. Mm-hmm.
3: She People said, used to... Do, well, what'd she say? I'm sorry. Then
2: she remember. said um, for the inside shower, like, she'll turn it on to, like, heat up the water a little bit. Onto but she has too. to... She collects that water good. in a pan and then also uses that for that's her. That's
3: great, good for her. I mean, that's what you should be doing. You know, there's also mm-hmm. those big tanks that are people are putting underground mm-hmm. and they're catching like that a cistern. water. Yeah, a cistern, but it's huge. I mean, it's just huge, and you can catch that water that you're using in your grey water and then reuse it. It's so mm-hmm. really a great idea, actually.
2: All right, so Jackie, I want to reintroduce you, and I want to hopefully get some emails and calls. You are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Jackie Lebowitz. We're talking about water conservation and irrigation. If you want to be part of this conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at WMNF.org and we will read it on air. So we're not doing that great. We're... Doing okay, Jackie, I guess, with the water, but by uh, 2040, yeah, we might not be doing so Mm. great. So what are some ways we're working on meeting the water demand?
4: Yeah. So you guys already mentioned a couple great ways to help meet that demand, especially when it comes to conservation, reusing a valuable resource. So um, gray water is an option, you know, storing water. Let's say you're boiling some pasta. Where's all that water going to go? You can let it cool down. Use that to water your plants. Um, Collecting rainwater is another great way to make use of that free resource. One, you don't have to you know, include it in your water bill every month, but then also you're helping keep that rainwater out of storm drains and potential runoff as well. So it's kind of a two for one deal. But when we're talking about more large scale operations, so like agriculture and recreation whether that's um, parks, golf courses, etc. A lot of these facilities are using reclaimed water to irrigate. So that's actually recycled wastewater that's been treated for use in irrigation um, projects like cooling towers, even wetlands restoration and deep well injection. Um, So it's basically giving our water a second life. So that's a really, really good way to meet that water demand is by reusing our water. So Reclaim Water is being used in a lot of places right now throughout Florida.
2: For collecting the rainwater, are you allowed to do that in every county in
4: Florida? Do you know? That's a good question. I am fairly certain that's a yes. I know um, where I work in Sarasota County, um, not only is it allowed, but it's encouraged. And we offer rain barrel workshops through our county as well. And I think um, Pinellas County and Hillsborough County do as well. Yeah, um, they do. Yes. Oh, Kenny yes. and I both have a bunch of rain barrels yes. ourselves. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah.
2: Well, I was... I did a presentation uh, like more than a year ago in Orlando and then some people were saying like, oh, we're not allowed to collect... Rainwater, but then I looked. I just googled it, and they said you're you're fine. They Orlando also does. What they those do say workshops. is
3: that they that yeah. they don't recommend you using uh, it for edibles uh, because of the oh. the things on your roof, uh, the tars, and mm-hmm. that this and that uh, could be uh, like you contaminants. Yes, yeah. so they they suggest you not use it for that. So I use it directly into beds like that don't mm-hmm. have edibles. So, but yeah. it's great stuff, you know. Yeah. no absolutely uh, i did want to make a comment about recycled water or reclaimed water mm-hmm. though i uh i signed up for that right away when i when you know they were just asking if people were interested and i gave them some money just for a courtesy just to say i will i was interested and then i uh found out that it's Unpredictable on the treatment, and then it's, you really can't tell what each area does, and it's very unpredictable. You don't know what it is. And it killed a lot of plants, uh, that, uh, cannot handle the higher levels of salt that are in it. Um, so I just want to say that if you are using reclaimed, uh, irrigation water, you need to check it and you need to know which plants do and don't work with that. And it's also not recommended for edibles. So I just wanted to throw that out there.
4: No, absolutely. You're 100% right. It's, it's not good for edible plants unless you can boil or peel them. Um, but in terms of irrigating turf, other plants, basically, yes, if it's acclimated to be able to handle a little bit of salt, it should be okay. And it does differ from facility to facility it depending does. on I was really yeah, surprised. the treatment. I was mm-hmm.
3: very surprised at that I thought there'd be a consistent um you know read on that but there were there's yeah some really now problems. I
4: will say um, many facilities are working towards something called advanced wastewater treatment so mm-hmm. that's taking that additional step to remove nutrients um, and other things to make it as Clean as possible to use for irrigation and discharge, so that's happening a lot right now. I know down here in Sarasota County, um, we have made a commitment to switch to advanced wastewater treatment for all of our facilities. So we're looking forward to that.
3: That that brings up a good point. You know, as everybody advances, it's just going to get better and better.
2: So mm-hmm. yeah, good good mm-hmm. point, Jackie. Can you explain how? you get the reclaimed water that like you would hire a irrigation specialist and then they would hook you up. Is that how it works?
4: It's, a little tricky, at least here in Sarasota County, it's very rare to get a direct hookup for a residence that's just um, already been established. So um, if you don't already have reclaimed water, chances are getting hooked up to reclaimed water is going to be very difficult unless your entire community, if you're living in an HOA, mm-hmm. for instance, decides to switch over to reclaim for irrigation. Um, so
0: well. It's one
4: of those things where you could talk to your HOA, see if that's something they'd be interested in doing if they're not already doing so. Mm-hmm. And you could get the funds together to make that conversion. And a lot of the new residences in Sarasota County are required to have that connection to reclaim. So mm-hmm. it's going forward, you know, we're mm-hmm. all using reclaim water, but it's a little hard to get that connection if you don't already But
2: have you would have it. to have an irrigation system.
4: Well, yes.
3: That would make the most sense. The thing Uh, is, is actually in Hillsborough County or in uh, the South Tampa area, I know that mm -hmm. you can get it and it is available, uh, even if you don't have it, because it's already been run. Mm -hmm. So the lines are there Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. can get it, but you have to hire a plumber to hook it up for you because it's real picky about, you know, you could get it mixed up with your fresh water that you're drinking, your potable water, and so they just want to make sure that you have the correct guy to do that. And that would be a required plumber. But yeah, you can get that in South Tampa. I I have, I had it and I cut mine off,
4: but you
3: know, there's that. It was
4: a pretty simple process, just getting a plumber? Well, yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, it's not a big thing uh, in South Tampa because we have it. So if you already have it, you know,
2: you can get hooked up. Jackie, you think golf courses are using reclaimed water? Yes, yes,
4: yes many, many golf courses are required to use that reclaimed water. Some of them blend it with other sources of water, but, um, they use a lot to irrigate their turf grass. So it's really important that they make use of reclaimed water and same thing with agriculture as well. It's, you know, when you're using that much water, um, having a percentage of it be recycled water really helps save the drops and encourage Mm -hmm. water conservation across the state. So you're saying that they are required
3: to use that. How is that monitored on their requirements?
4: That's a good question. And one that I don't actually know the answer for, but something that that I will be looking into later today.
2: (laughs) Wouldn't they just be like checking like how much water they use from the city? Well, there probably
3: would be because they would have yeah. a number on that on yeah. their bills. That's probably right, Kenny.
2: So, yeah. Jackie, we have a email, and it's uh, <laughs> Joe in Dover, Florida. He says, I'm in the opinion that who has the right to tell us we can't collect rainwater? That's absurd. I collect rainwater <laughs> where I live. How is that legal to restrict our rights to collect rainwater? So, Jack, I don't know if you want to respond, but I was looking up, and if you search it it says state by state some states completely restrict really collecting yeah, i have heard that before that's yes. amazing that
3: seems so so jackie do you know
2: how like the kind of what Annie was saying, like how would they even know you're collecting rainwater?
4: Right, exactly. I suppose um, they wouldn't unless they had cameras uh, set up everywhere. (laughs) Or your neighbor neighbor squealed
2: on you. that's right.
4: (laughs) You better be nice or
2: nice. bring them muffins. So (laughs) Joe and Dover, we're in agreement with you, we don't. Yeah, we we, don't agree mm -hmm. with that either. So uh, Jackie, (laughs) where is the most water being used in a residential home?
4: Sure. So um, outside of irrigation, which we can get into in a little bit, uh, toilets are actually the number one water waster in the home. So it's estimated they use about 24 to 30% of our annual water use. And older toilets use a lot more water than our standard toilets that we have today. Um, So they used to use up to six gallons per flush and now it's a standard requirement that toilets use 1.6 gallons per flush or lower. Um, So If you're looking to switch out your toilet at any point in time, I really recommend looking for that WaterSense label. So that's a program through the EPA. And basically any WaterSense product has to use 20% less water than that market standard. So... Basically those toilets are gonna use 1.28 gallons or lower per flush. And while that might not seem like a huge difference, I mean, we're flushing our toilets at least five times a day, right? So basically it really cuts down on the use throughout the year. Another thing too, um, interestingly enough, toilet leaks are a huge water waster. Mm -hmm. And you don't always hear them running all the time and you don't always know they're leaking, but a leaking toilet can waste up to 200 gallons per day of water, which is huge. You, I would think it would see that on their. bill. I was just
2: going to say you probably notice that on your bill.
4: Yeah, people. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, but you I have to wait for that. the bill, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I would think that they, you know, that the, the uh, shower heads too. They have that low volume or the water saving
4: types too,
3: don't they? Yes,
4: yes, and you can even get a low flow shower head to attach um, to your uh, shower. So pretty much any shower head can be retrofitted to be low flow. Mm-hmm. So
2: uh, Jackie, we got another uh, text message. It's from CP mm-hmm. in Palmetto, Florida. He says, "Great show. Sleepy Palmetto, Florida has had advanced water treatment for years." Oh,
3: that's fantastic! Sh-
2: and then, parentheses, shame on Sarasota County. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: Not on anybody, we're outside. working on
2: it. <laughs> that's good. He uh, also wants to add that advanced after. Treatment doesn't filter out pharmaceuticals, oh. so don't use on yeah. plants you plan to eat.
3: That is always a surprise to me when people flush their pharmaceuticals down the toilet. And that mm-hmm. is so insane to me that people think that that's okay. Or even put it in the garbage can. When you could take it to the drugstore and mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, they... Any medical things, they properly dispose of it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really is a big
2: pollutant. Actually, I was Mm given myself allergy shots for over a year. Oh wow! And uh, just the local hospital, you know, they collect your needles and Uh all your. They provide you all that uh, medical, yeah, trash bins for free. All right, so we got a caller. It's uh, Keaton from Oldsmar. And they want to mm. talk about water restrictions. Welcome to the program, Keaton.
0: Uh, hello, everyone. How are you? Hello. Great. How Hi. are you doing? Awesome. I'm doing fantastic. Good. First foremost, I got to say it. I love the show. Always Thank do. you. I tune in. Monday's my spot. And I have a little alarm set. So I can oh,
3: good for you. Thank you.
0: On. My wife and I are pretty young in the game of learning how to grow things. Uh, it's just cool. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Good. But, uh, yeah, you were somebody the last caller or somebody wrote in said who has the rights to tell you to collect your rainwater or not. I'm from New Mexico originally, and it is extremely strict out there. You are not allowed to collect any rainwater ever. You get a huge citation. They have guys that drive around kind of like uh, city inspectors that'll see if your gutters are hooked up to barrels or whatever because the rain is so... Little out there, we get just very little. That uh, farmers have the first rights in the city mm-hmm. or the state. That is, uh, they own the rights to the water, not you. But and they want every single drop. But here's
3: the thing:
0: back in the ground.
3: Oh, they want it to go back in the ground. Okay, because yeah, I so was going to say they don't want
0: you to collect it for yourself, or like say if you're like a, say like a rural farmer or something, you're using more than what. Somebody would. They don't want that. They want everything to come off of the roofs, go into the ground so it can go to the aquifers, so it can help our reservoirs.
3: Okay, that makes more sense. Where the
0: water goes. But they write you a huge ticket. Like, I was, uh, I don't want to misquote it, but it's in the hundreds of dollars if you get caught taking water.
3: Wow.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah, Arizona's the exact same way. I don't know if Texas has the regulations, but just out west, especially Mm -hmm. those areas, which we've seen on the news now, you know, like, High drought Page and, you know, Las Vegas using water and making everybody get rid of all their grass and stuff. It all goes into that theory. So they, they, Florida's pretty cool with it, but not out mm-hmm. there at all.
2: <laughs> well, well, thank you, Keaton, for calling in. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and and um,
3: thank we you, really man. appreciate that you're such a loyal listener. And setting oh, that so alarm. Crap. Thank you. Setting that
0: alarm. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Thank you so much. Y'all have an awesome day. You, you too. too.
2: All right. So, uh, Jackie, we got another message. It's Larry in Lakeland. He says, Mm -hmm. older toilets use more water than newer ones. is not always true. I often have to flush my toilet five or more times to get the waste to go down. That seems like a lot more water to me. He's talking about like the low flow.
4: Uh, oh, interesting.
3: Interesting. You know, I have a toilet that's 1924, the same <laughs> age as my house, and I love it. And I'm the only person that can work on it actually because the plumbers look at it and go, what? So, uh, but I have a giant uh, bottle of water in there oh, to take yes. up the yes. space. So it's okay. and you know I, it it's great and it fits the space cuz it's a 1924 house you know I'm legit yeah. and but I definitely have a big giant water bottle in there to take it up so
4: Yeah, that's great. So that's definitely another thing you can do as an individual is um, get a toilet tank displacement device, or I like to call them toilet dams. Basically, it displaces some of that water in the toilet tank and you can save um, about half a gallon per flush. So that really does add up over time. Um, But yeah, interesting. I mean, all toilets are different, but in terms of um, toilets made before the 1990s, they do Tend to use a lot more water than um, current models. And you don't have to flush every time. I just <laughs> want to say.
2: Or you could <laughs> pee in the backyard.
3: Oh, yeah. And bananas love urine. <laughs> oh, they love it. So it, that, they just, if you have to go to the bathroom, go to
2: the, your banana trees, they just are happy with that. All right, so Jackie, we got uh, another text message. Greg in Lakeland, he says, FYI, there are rebate programs in many Florida counties for replacing toilets with the low flow. Uh, So that's very good to know. That's very good to know. And then, uh, so we want to pivot just a little bit and we want to talk about drip irrigation. So other ways that we could save water. So Jackie, what is drip irrigation and in what type of gardens, landscaping Mm -hmm. systems would you be using it?
4: i happen to love drip irrigation i didn't quite know what it was until i set up my own system because i wanted to make sure i was qualified to talk about it um so basically drip or micro irrigation is a great choice for landscape beds container plants uh hanging baskets and basically everything except your turf um, or ground covers. So it's this combination of tubing and emitters, which put out the water that you can customize to water your plants right at the roots. And it's a low flow, low pressure system that uses a lot less water than your traditional in-ground sprinklers.
2: And you would be setting it on a timer or you turn it on and you watch it
4: it all depends on. Um, obviously like don't have irrigation. How any. involved you want to be in irrigating your plants every every other day? So. um,
3: I want to interrupt on just one moment. Uh, When you said, this is just something I know because I did it. And Mm -hmm. it's only because I didn't have another choice in the matter. And uh, there was some grass that uh, was in some uh, uh, ribbons, uh, like when you have uh, cement ribbons Mm -hmm. for driving and there was some grass in the middle of it in this garden part and it needed to stay. And uh, we were not going to do a spray irrigation there. So we tried it with a drip uh, a brown, the, the brown tubing drip, drip tubing underneath oh, yeah. it worked perfectly. So I think <laughs> I know, right? Because it, we've been told that it does not work, and it worked perfectly. Yeah. So I think in small areas or sure, you know, yeah.
4: If you have a patch, it's definitely worse. Um, yeah. trying. it's going to be better than hand watering. Well, um, and uh, but yeah, surprise. for the entire lawn, it's it's a you know, yeah. Not I don't around.
3: know. I don't know how much you would be able to do, but I think you'd have to do quite a bit of the tubing underneath, like every six inches or so something like that, I think, for it to be able to Yeah, live.
4: and the other tricky thing too about the drip irrigation is you don't wanna bury it um, really underground, at least- that's my recommendation because what will happen is that soil will get into the emitters and clog it so it's a lot harder to maintain um, and then let's say something goes wrong, if there's a little leak or something, you have to dig it out of the ground Right, to, um, and you don't know you have a leak uh, because it's in the ground, mm-hmm. that's right. Exactly, exactly so if you're going to set up drip irrigation so that inline drip tubing is one of many options you mm-hmm. can do for the micro-irrigation, um, you want to make sure that if you're going to cover it, which you should, um, you want to cover it in mulch, so not soil. Right. Um, and that way you'll help protect it and insulate it, but you can still get to it if you need to make repairs. Yeah. And another
3: thing is if you do have it buried, if it goes deep and you don't really remember where it is there, if you put a plant on top of it, you'll rot the roots. So there's that mm-hmm. as well, because
2: mm-hmm. I did that.
4: <laughs> oh, <No>, absolutely.
2: <laughs> so speaking of irrigation, we have a couple of messages and a caller. So okay. first I'll do the text message it says in residential areas, 60% of water usage is irrigation on grass that's not native to the state mm-hmm. if indigenous grass were allowed to, to be regulated in neighborhoods the water usage could be decreased considerably and yes. th- that's kind of true for all native
3: plants and and also mm-hmm. you could do wildflower beds and so yeah. on that's a yeah. well, nice way to go
4: there is a beautiful ground cover um called sunshine mimosa that we recommend as part of our florida friendly landscaping program now it's not going to do well everywhere and especially if there's a lot of foot traffic it might not be the best choice for your landscape but it is gorgeous you don't even have to mow it it's got these little Purple Horton, here's a who type flowers, mm-hmm. and um, it even basically fixes nitrogen in the soil, so you don't have to fertilize it either.
3: It had there's three more. There's uh, the twin flower, frog fruit, and the perennial oh, yeah, yeah.
4: and the perennial peanut. So and I uh, love uh, frog fruit too because it's actually a host plant for the uh, white peacock. Exactly,
3: ones. and the uh, the twin flower uh, handles a little bit more shade. So mm-hmm. yeah, you have choices. You don't have to yeah. do that.
2: Another message is uh, back when we were talking about the toilets. It's from uh, Dave in Newport, Richie. He says, Yes, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, <laughs> flush it down. Oh,
3: good. I didn't want to say that. So thank you for saying that. Thanks, it for Dave. Me.
2: And uh, so now we'll go to Amy in St. Pete. She wants to talk about water restrictions. Hi, Amy.
1: Yeah, hi. Thank you. I, I wanted to comment real quick about those uh, toilets for those people who want to be eco friendly and save water. One of the reasons that those, um, the new toilets that uh, you have to flush three or four times is because the calcium gets built up in the raw part of the, um, the canal that where the water comes through in the toilet itself, the channel. So some of them are painted with the ceramic all the way in that channel, but the cheaper toilets are not painted on the inside, That the part you don't see, they're not painted and that's why it gets. Uh, uh, calcium attached to the sides, and it clogs the hole from flushing, so you can't get enough volume of water to push that through. Is there something
3: you can do about that? Is there a way to clean it?
1: Well, you need to paint it, actually. Just, you know, take the toilet off, clean it up, and spray paint the inside of the, um, where the water pushes through on the bottom. So
3: it has a more a smoother surface. It doesn't have a cling tooth to it. This is in the yeah. toilet
2: or this is part of the house? It's,
1: it's part of the toilet. Okay. It's uh, it's essentially like, you know, raw ceramic versus painted ceramic, you know? Yeah, so There's, it does. It
3: has a tooth and it's not slick enough, so it holds.
1: Yeah, it's like sandpaper. Yeah. So it's grabbing everything. Wow,
3: well, that's very good information. Thank you so much for letting us know
2: that.
1: And yeah, I thank you. Hi, hi to my mom. <laughs>
2: Very good. Thank you, Amy. Thank
1: you. All right, bye. Bye-bye.
2: All right. So, we're talking about uh, drip irrigation. Back mm-hmm. back to that subject, Jackie. And how much does a drip irrigation system save as compared opposed to the to, spray? Yeah, the traditional sprinkler because yeah. almost every time I'm driving home from the studio, I, my car gets a little car wash. From somebody's sprayer. Um, because someone's sprinkler. During and, the day, that's not good. And it's like good. one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, and yeah. also they...
3: Well, go ahead. I want to say something about broken <laughs> sprinklers too, so...
2: So Jackie, yeah. does the drip irrigation save a lot? Yeah,
4: what's the percentage? Oh, it does, it does. And it depends on who you ask, but I've heard that it's up to 70% wow. more efficient oh. than sprinkler systems when it comes to watering plants. And I do irrigation evaluations as part of my job. So I go to people's homes in Sarasota County, check out their systems, um, see where they can save water. And um, a lot of the time that's my recommendation is put in drip in yeah. your landscape beds. You don't need to have sprinklers there. A lot of the plants, especially if they're Florida friendly, aren't going to Need that much supplemental water throughout the year, so and, and you know
3: great you can alter the ones that you have. That's what I did when I moved into my yes. house. It had sprays everywhere because nobody. I mean that was twenty seven years ago. People didn't do it, and so what we did is we just took where the up pipe was and mm-hmm. and reconfigured it for the drip and just ran the drip in the beds instead of the sprays. So it's yeah, very no, absolutely. Easy.
4: They have uh, kits you can buy too. Um, So there are these things called pressure compensating manifold heads. And I know that sounds very complicated, but it's really just like a little head where you can attach spaghetti tubing. So that's like little, quarter inch diameter tubing um, directly to it. And basically you can swap out your spray head and use that water source to water your plant bed. So you don't have to get a whole system installed, especially if you just have kind of a small area. Um, And we have a really great video you can watch um, on YouTube too. If you look up uh, UF IFAS extension, uh, retrofit your irrigation, you'll you'll find it. This is
2: on YouTube? Or just yes, in Google? Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: That's a good uh, setup for pots, too.
3: Because oh, then you yeah, have multitudes, uh, it's like uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, octopus legs. and you It have, does you look have, a little bit like an octopus. Yeah, <laughs> so you have multitudes so you can put them, you know, because pots will do better in groupings anyway because they hold the moisture and, you know, that just helps. Yeah, And then you can pick
4: it. out different emitters for each uh, tube depending exactly. on how much water your plants need. Yeah, needs. and you can screw them down
3: or, or screw them open, uh, you know, depending on how much yeah. more you want. So. Yeah, there's
4: That's a lot cool. of room. Really for customization, which I love and yes. I mentioned kits. Um, Another thing is if you are going to be covering a bit more area Mm -hmm. um, and you really do want to set up a comprehensive system, what I did for my own, and as long as you have everything you need right at um, the hose bib or um, at the sprinkler if you're retrofitting, um, you can get a kit that pretty much has everything you're going to need, and they have them for all different kinds of setups, whether it's container plants, herb gardens, vegetable gardens, um, you know, hanging baskets. You can find a Micro irrigation set for pretty much any scenario, and you can start with that. Especially if you're intimidated at first, like I was, and then you can build it from there. And you can switch out all kinds of components, add extra tubing, etc. But that's a great place to start if you're not really familiar with um, DIY projects like that.
2: Yeah, great. Thank you, Jackie. That's a great tip, and you can only hear these tips on WMNF. Tampa 88.5. And now we have a message from Bill.
1: (laughs) By golly, isn't listening to the Sustainable Living Show just about the most fun that your ears have ever had? And I know what you're thinking. How can you show your love and support? Well, it's easy. Just go to our website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar at the top of the screen. Be sure to direct your donation to S-U-L for Sustainable Living. And let me tell you something special. You may not see them, but when you support sustainable living in WMNF Tampa, angels bend down to kiss your cheek.
3: <laughs> you I love that one yeah. so much. All I right. feel like I've gotten kissed on the cheek every time I ever listen to
2: that. It's wonderful. So now uh, Annie's going to tell listeners a couple of sustainable. And themed events that so are happening. So
3: perfect because uh with the uh Hillsborough County Extension is having a rainwater harvesting workshop in person Saturday September 10th at 11. Uh they're having a composting work uh, workshop same day at 8:30 a.m. in person and they're having a micro irrigation mm-hmm. workshop in person at the Hillsborough County Extension at 9:45 or yeah, 945. So really what, and they also, this one's coming up. I think this is a great one. On the 14th, it says, so you want to start a farm? And uh, so they are going to have people talking to you about all the things that you need to think about uh, before. They also have a patio micro-irrigation workshop in person. So check out the Hillsborough County Extension. And, oh, wow, there's a vegetable micro-irrigation check workshop. Check it out
2: if you live in Hillsborough County. But if you live in another county, Check out li- theirs. Exactly.
3: And there's another one, the Brooker uh, Creek Preserve has another thing about saving water. Why and how can I make a difference? I mean, it's like perfect stuff. I also wanted to mention, uh, always check out Sweetwater Farm because there's a thing coming up. There's going to be an herbal walk by this very knowledgeable guy there. Um, and I've actually signed up for it. And a lot of these you do need to sign up. And so go to, um, what is it, Evite. Eventbrite. Yeah. Eventbrite. And uh, you can find everything. Just type in gardening or uh, environmental or water, and you will get all kinds of wonderful things. That's I have a, an app, and that's how I get a lot of my information. They send
2: me things all the time. It's great. That's very good.
3: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's very appropriate for what we're talking about today too, right?
2: Yeah. So, Jackie, anyone living in Florida who uses an automatic irrigation system is required by law to have a fully operational rain shutoff device. So what is that about and how does it work?
4: Jackie? Oh, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Oh, okay. It seemed like it just cut off uh, for a second. But um, the question is, is, how do they work, right? What is a rain shutoff device? Yes, Okay, so basically there's a number of rain shutoff devices available on the market, but the most common kind you'll find is a cork disc rain sensor. So these sensors. Uh Uh-oh. She's off again. So I'll answer that
3: question. Uh, those uh, rain disc sensors are, uh, it has a, a, it looks like a little donut, a flat donut, and they go inside the rain sensor, and when the water hits it, it swells up as cork would, and it shuts, it then it, disables the ability for the timer to come on. So... Oh. Yes. Oh. Hello. Good. Hello. I, just Sorry. Told,
4: internet, um, uh,
3: I just told a little internet um cutout. I just told what the, the cork <laughs> sensor did for you since we haven't. Oh big thank blank you. to me some work.
2: Yes. Um, so Jackie, can you yeah. tell listeners where uh so if it's mandatory, if it's required by law, where right. are they finding these or are the people installing the irrigation doing it?
4: Right. So um The hope is that you do have one installed with your system already. Sometimes what happens is they get lost if you inherited a system, or maybe they just didn't have one when you moved in. Um, or they wore out and they got trashed because they weren't really doing anything. So they're really easy to find uh, either online or at your local home improvement stores. And typically you can get them from anywhere from 15 to $30 a piece. Mm-hmm. So they're not a big investment and it's really going to save you a lot of water over time, especially in Florida where we have our rainy season um, in the summer, which... You know, you don't want to be putting too much water down on your lawn if you're already getting it via rainfall. Too much is worse than uh, too little, really. I couldn't agree more. Um, But yeah, one thing about the rain sensors is, uh, and not a lot of people realize this, is that they don't last forever. So they do need to be checked occasionally. I recommend once a year and it's really easy to test them. It's just a matter of turning on one of your irrigation zones pointing a hose um, at your sensor, or if it's close enough to the ground, you can just pour some water on top and um, your system should shut off. And if it doesn't, that might mean it needs to be repaired or replaced. And so it's really important that you keep it maintained so that you can get the most use out of it.
3: And those little uh, flat donut discs of, uh, of cork, uh, yes. you, can, you can replace those and that's what- You can, yes. So you and, wanna make
4: sure to get the right uh, make and model um, right. for your rain sensor, but you can find them online so you don't have to replace the entire unit. Yeah, and another- uh, Sometimes also it's a battery issue or it's a wiring issue. Yes. So check to make sure that everything is, is in good working order. And then if it is just the quarks, replace those. And then if it's not the quarks, then you get the new um, rain sensor. But.
3: And when you install it, you got to make sure that it has free space to be able to get the water. So you want it up high and you want it away from any
4: kind of eaves or any kind of branches. or anything Absolutely. Like you don't want any obstructions because yeah. then you're not going to get accurate rainfall um, mm-hmm. data. And so what happens is that um, if a tree is blocking um, all that rainfall from your sensor, your sensor is not going to get that rain. And so it's not going to turn off your system when it needs to.
2: Mm-hmm. Good to know. So Jackie, this has never happened before, but we have five uh, minutes and we have five questions. So now we're going to do a quick fire rounds. round. Say them
3: all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. So for the, um, is there any type of enforcement?
3: Should we just say all the names, all the questions, and then just get her to answer? No, no. Is there
2: any okay. type of enforcement um, for people not using this uh, mandatory system? Like, can I do anything if I see a system going oh, off and it's pouring oh, rain? <laughs>
4: right, yeah, it it really varies county to county. I know for our county, we do have an online um, form you can fill out, but I always recommend just upfront communication and education um, yeah. to people when you see the issue. Yeah. Um, so whether it's a neighbor or somebody else, they might not know that their system's yeah. going off. And so telling them why that's not such a good thing and educating them um, is a really good place to start. And then at least they know and you can go from there and report the violation. Or if
3: they have a broken uh, head, you know, and it's just flushing known. down the street. They right. Don't know. They might not know. They, Oftentimes they don't know. My neighbors do not know. And <laughs> yeah. so they mm-hmm. kind of depend on me to tell them.
2: It's funny. Absolutely. Education is... The overarching theme of the show. Yes. <laughs> <There> it is. <laughs> what is the best time, when is the best time to irrigate
4: Um, we recommend early morning, um, that way you don't have to worry about water sitting on your plants, leaves potentially inviting disease or pathogens, um, at night when it doesn't have a a chance to evaporate all that excess water. So early morning is best. Um, it's also really important that you follow water restrictions for where you live. So depending again, where you live, it could be a city. County, etc. You want to look up where you live and water restrictions, and you're going to see exactly when you should be watering. You don't want to water within, you know, those certain times where you're not allowed to. So, for instance, Sarasota County and Swift Mud, um, which is the southwest. Water um, Southwest Florida Water Management District. You're not allowed to water from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So oh, anytime outside of that's allowed, but morning yeah. is best. You know, uh, they also on uh, in Hillsborough, it's odd days and
3: uh, or excuse me, odd numbers and even the, numbers have different days the that address, they water. Yeah, yes. yeah on
2: the address.
4: yes, same same with us. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: What should I be doing with the pile of rain gauges in my pool house? What is the <laughs> value of them? Why should I be that's- what should I use them for?
4: That's directly from kidding. I love <laughs> that you have a pile. Um, <laughs> I just keep that's getting out. Uh, Yeah, so rain gauges are a really good way to manually measure rainfall. So um, weather predictions, as we know, aren't always going to be the most accurate in flora, especially in the summertime. And so um, you want to get a good estimate of how much rain you're getting in your landscape. And that way you can figure out whether to turn off your irrigation, because once you have about a half to three quarters of an inch of water, Um, in your landscape for the week, you are set to go. That's Mm -hmm. all your turf needs. And that's really all that our sandy soils can hold is um, an inch of water, so. I just Basically. turn mine on when it's time. I don't even have oh, it on a see, timer. see, a lot of people do that too. I just too. use it manually.
3: Well, I don't use it manually. I turn the, the timer on. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's also systems that you can have with your, uh, you can deal with it on your handheld computer. Uh, you can turn those on. Mm-hmm. and it turns it off. Uh, I have a friend in France, and he runs his irrigation system here in Tampa from even his farm. Yeah, it's very fancy.
4: Yeah, it's
3: easy, though. Once you get it set up, it's yeah. done, you know? And, oh, absolutely,
4: Yeah.
2: In April 2021, you published an article titled, Want a Healthy Yard, Water Less. So I'm asking you, can you tell us about how that works? Because like Annie alluded to, I have an acre. I do not have any irrigation, but Mm -hmm. I also don't have any grass. It's all mulch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, once they're planted, I'll, I'll... give them supplemental water for a little bit, but then they're on their own. So (laughs) how how is watering a yard or gardens less? How is that better for the plants?
4: Yeah. So um, basically when I wrote that blog, I was kind of focused more so on lawns, but the idea is, and this applies to all plants, but especially turf grass, um, your turf grass naturally has shorter roots than a lot of your other landscape plants. So it's only able to access water at a certain level in the soil. And so when you're overwatering your lawn, you're not encouraging those roots to grow deeper into the soil to access water that's going to be deeper there. Um, So basically what happens is your turf has shorter roots um, and your plants in general have shorter roots when you're overwatering them. And when you have shorter roots, your plants are more prone to erosion issues and susceptible to drought like conditions. Yeah. So, basically, if you're not upkeeping that overwatering, then all of a sudden they get really stressed out. Mm-hmm. So, healthy root growth is the key to a healthy landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just applying as much water as your turf needs or your landscape plants needs is what you want to do. You don't want to go over that because then you have a shorter route. Yeah, you got to train it. Thank
2: you, Jackie. We're out of time. You're a wonderful guest. We learned a lot.
4: Thank you so much. And I'm
2: happy that so many people participated. Yeah, that was a good one. Yes.
3: if you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing our, your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on the air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF's Tampa Monday music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to listen to today's Tom Hartman Show Live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, where we'll be talking with Jose Debois on developing a sustainable livestock production system. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living uh, WMNF, to stay in the loop. I'm Annie Ellis.
2: And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye.